Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. All right, today is another special day that it seems like spring is finally upon us in the middle of the month, still, I would say, March 19, 2018, at another Black Coffee podcast, we're in pause. I'm with my guest host or co-host and just partner in arms. Like, now we're doing something else big. Frida Sampson, how are you? I am good. Excited to be here. Excited about the guest. Let's go. All right. And the <laughs> guest is somebody I know. Uh, like, we intersect over with friends or homies, as I would say. A lot of different things. A visual artist a heck of a creative and bringing creativity to the minds and the hearts of many young people and still of a heck of a creative herself. I'm about to drill her down and be like, what are you working on now? <laughs> but Jocelyn Rainey, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm good. All right. She's being real subdued right now. We about yeah. to get live. Yeah. Oh no, it's about to get popping. All right. So <laughs> as it's about to get popping, we generally start this and we're talking about uh, a lot of Detroit's black history, what exists. Uh, you're in that era of like what we always say, like younger era, because you're not necessarily old, not necessarily young. You're in the mix of that, but you've seen a lot of uh, what existed to build like the black hierarchy uh, that was a stronghold of black leadership and black Detroit. And right now you're witnessing like a change that's come to Detroit. So when you were younger, what do you remember most about the city? I remember the first black mayor and how proud we was, you know, mm -hmm. that was Mayor Young. So we was so proud to have our first black mayor. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And I remember him opening up all the jobs to the citizens of Detroit. Like if you didn't work here, I mean, if you didn't live here, you couldn't work here. The, you know, the police force, the fire, uh, parks and recs. I remember that. And I thought that was amazing, you know? Yeah. Okay, what neighborhood were you from? Oh, I'm from the east side, you know, East Warren, east side for life. <laughs> okay, all right, in that community, like growing up, uh, with that transition into Mayor Young, uh, what were some of the rec centers, some of the places you play? What, what stands out from that? Yeah, we had the 4-H Center. Um, we had, uh, you know, we would go to Belle Isle all the time, Chandler Park. Uh, we would always go to Royal Skateland, mm. you know. Skateland. Yeah. Good old really. Skateland. On the east side. On the east side, I'm, I'm yeah. not familiar with I know Northland. Oh, no, we used to go to Northland after Skateland. Okay. Because yeah, <laughs> Northland stayed open a little later. I, I yeah. wonder why. We would go over there. And go, I wonder why. <laughs> we get put out, you know, but it wasn't nothing. Because they didn't want us to slide on their little wooden floors. But we did it anyway, and they put us doing out, that, and it was okay. Doing that doing that rough roller, <laughs> rough east side roller skating. Okay. Because we mess up Mr. Davis's. Right. Good buff floors. Because we skated on cement. So, <laughs> so we didn't care nothing about no wood. That was easy. <laughs> like, look at this. Right. Oh, this. that's funny. So, so uh, artistry. Uh, what were some of the things that drew you into artistry so that you would uh, embrace this now and this become more than just like a, a hobby? It's your life. But when you were a kid, what drew you into artistry? Uh, well, in my household, we had um, music, and my mother used to buy us instruments every Christmas, and 
my brothers, they, they caught on to it. You know, they would teach, they taught themselves how to play the piano, mm -hmm. drums, guitars, everything, you know. And my mother was a singer. My grandmother was a singer. Mm. Uh, my mother made all our clothes. Hmm. But, so your mom was a creative. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that didn't draw me into art. I thought I was adopted because I couldn't play an instrument. Mm. I couldn't sing. Mm. And I hated making clothes. So, mm. yeah. So I wasn't, like, drawn into I like to dance. That's about it. Okay. Yeah. So. so, so when do you remember picking up the paintbrush, the 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 pencil, the crayon, the marker? What what was it that said, okay, I really like this, and I want to keep doing this? Well, that was a whole second life, you know. Um, when I was young, I hated art because in art classes, if you didn't um, draw or render what you saw and it didn't look like that the art teacher didn't pay you any attention. You know, they didn't know how to deal with the abstract kid. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I was, an abstract kid. Like, my lines are not going to be straight unless I use a ruler, you know, whatever. So I hated art. But, um, you know, I, I was dreaming I was an artist after I got older, um, after I had an incident and I was uh, paralyzed for a year. And after I became mobile, I was cutting grass on Belle Isle because uh, Mayor Young opened up those jobs. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was cutting grass on Belle Isle at 5 o'clock in the morning. And so all I could hear was, you know, birds and, and smell of cut grass. And it was so serene. And then I remembered that I used to be paralyzed, you know. Wow. Yeah, that was like a couple of years after. And I was like, yeah, I used to be paralyzed. So I started, like, questioning God you know, since I'm still alive, I'm not paralyzed, what should I be doing? And I know it's not cutting grass. Not not that it's something wrong with cutting grass, but mm -hmm. I knew it was something else that I should be doing. And so I started dreaming that I was an artist. I started dreaming that I was painting at an easel. I know it's an easel now, but I didn't know then. And I rejected the dream, but it just kept reoccurring. And somebody told me about College of Creative Studies, one of my friends. At that time, they had a dance school, and her daughter was going to the dance school. And she said, no, it's an art college. And I was like, an art college in Detroit? And so I went down there and told them that I dreamed that I'm supposed to be an artist, and I'm supposed to be in the school. They turned me down four times, though. But four I kept times. coming. What made, what made you keep going back? Because that says something about persistence. Yeah, well, I mean, I questioned God, and I believed it. You know, my faith. I believed that when I questioned God and I started to dream, I never dreamed that I was an artist, you know? So when I questioned and this dream kept reoccurring and things kept coming to me about art, you know? And so that's why I kept going there. I kept, uh, you know, um, but the lady, <laughs> she... You know, it was an art college. It's one of the top colleges in the country. And she said, um, well, you need a portfolio. So she told me where the art store was. I went and got a bag, a portfolio, came back with nothing in it. <laughs> that's, that's a good first step, though. I'm not mad about that. That's yeah, how you start. Was it charrettes? Is that where you got it? Charrettes. 
She said, she said, well, you need some artwork. You know? <laughs> and I was like, oh, what type of artwork? I don't know how to do artwork, but I know I'm supposed to be in this college, you know. Mm -hmm. So she told me to do some, uh, she tried to explain to me about still life and life drawing. And so I went to the bookstore, got a book on life drawing and tried to sketch out some of those things. And I brought it back to her and I brought my, bro my brother with me, uh, my, one of my older brothers. And um, she said, do you think, she said, she looked at it and you could see it in her face like, oh my God, you know. She mm -hmm. said, do you think you could graduate from this college? And my brother was like, yeah, lady, she lived her life like a movie. She could do anything. Just let her in here. I'm tired of coming up here, right? <laughs> uh, we, we needed your brother in this interview <laughs> right, as well. Exactly. Like, like your, your brother is like, a, uh, he, he's like better than Les Brown as a motivation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so um, she went and talked to some people and she said, okay, we're going to let you into college. And wow. So they let me in, but man, that first day, I got the letter and I was so excited, told my mother, but mm -hmm. when I came to class, everybody was already an artist. Mm -hmm. And I called my mother like, oh no, this is wrong. I think mm. that dream was wrong, you know? She was like, no, you know, the dream is right. You just have to find a teacher that wanna teach and explain it to them and they'll teach you. Mm. And that's when I found Gilda Snow. Really? Yes, yeah, I got, I went up to her, I said, and she was familiar, you know, she was a black woman. She's right. short, dynamite, had locks. And I went up to her, I said, you know, I, I'm i happy to say I got into college, but I'm sad to say I don't know anything about art. And if you would help me, you know, I'm gonna show you that I'm a advanced, you know. And she, and she took out time to help me. After school, had me at her studio, everything. So what what are some of the the most important lessons you extrapolated from your, your learning under Gilda? Well, under Gilda, I learned that you gotta do your homework. Like you gotta be, you gotta know what you're doing. You gotta know why you're doing it, what you're doing, you know, and when you use materials, you gotta, you know, really study those materials and understand why you're using certain materials because, you know, just to paint is one thing, but to go in there and use some wax to paint, go in there and sculpt, that's, you know, it's totally different thing you got to know your oils i didn't know oils from acrylic you know it was a whole like it wow. changed my whole life you know i didn't know the difference between charcoal and pencil and you know all that type of stuff that's amazing and yeah. and so because that seems like that would be really daunting to go into an art school one of the best in the country yeah. and not know the fundamentals about artistry or the tools that you use so how did you overcome that emotionally well, I didn't know it was one of the best schools in the country. Okay. <laughs> I just knew it was in Detroit and I'm supposed to be in there. So, and then, but what I understood when I got there is that I didn't see anybody that looked like me. And hmm. that's what I couldn't understand. Like we sitting in the middle of Detroit and I'm like, the, I'm the only black in my class. So that really like kind of threw me. And you know, and I had to go through a lot of kind of like racism, but you know, I'm from the east side, I'm grown, you know, I can get it. We can, hey, cause I can cap all day. Mm. You know, we can take it and I can cap for real. Mm. And so, <laughs> oh, I was getting people together. It was nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you you, you straightening them out. It, it was, was nothing. This is just a thing. Capping. Yeah, it was just a thing. They also, didn't understand that though. Right, they, but they also, know now. They know now. They still talk about it. Okay. <laughs> so, 
what when you talk about this whole experience like as you were crafting like just building your confidence in learning your own talents as an artist Mm -hmm. what was the uh how was your family responding to this journey of you embracing becoming a visual artist and like what was uh what was the uh, the the conversation of family and friends during this time as you go on this new venture in life? Right. It was it was um I think it was exciting for them, but they had jokes, of course. Like one day I was uh, making some a sculpture out of paper mache, and it was my first time doing it, and I put it in the oven. So I had sent one of my friends and my brother to the art store to get something. So when they came back, they was like, "What happened to you?" I had opened the oven door and fire flew out and burned the front of my hair and burned my eyebrows off. Yeah. And the jokes was on. In the oven. I was, I was waiting on that. <laughs> yeah, the jokes was on. But, uh... That is trial by fire for real, Oh, for real. my God. <laughs> oh, man, they was on the floor laughing. And so, you know, things like that. I would um, bring them to the school so they could see some of the things that I was doing. I, um hear one of my brothers say oh that's why you used to do things different because you're an artist you know Mm. they so it started to catch up Mm -hmm. but it wasn't there was no visual artist in our family there was just musicians Mm -hmm. and um you know dressmakers and things like that but nobody was a painter Mm -hmm. and so then it just started to click you know and and you and you fell into painting. I mean, there's so many mediums associated with the arts. Yeah, painting was painting was it because of color. It okay. was because of color. I, I and you know what I thought about uh, some years ago. I thought about how I used to look at cartoons. I used to look at the colors in the cartoons. Right. I yeah. feel you on that. Yeah, the animation yeah. and the yeah, color and the how shapes. How the color would move. Yes. You know? Yes. And so that I all clicked you. too. You know. So. I yeah. still look at cartoons for that very reason. Oh, yeah. 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 I do just because, you know, I like Foghorn Leghorn. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, you, and you went old school. I love that. <laughs> this guy is hilarious. Right. Hey, he is. <laughs> he is funny. <laughs> All right. So, so from that and the embrace of um, your family, now you get into, like, the, the next journey. After CCS, embracing the life as an artist what was that like because i still think you know any form of um business outside of like huge industry in the city of detroit it's almost like you're walking up a a a hill that's the steepest hill on earth so like what was that like at that point well um when i graduated from ccs i didn't i said what should i do now so i just went over to wayne state you know to get my master's and um, that's where. Where did you get your master's in? Uh, painting. Oh, in painting. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. I went over to Wayne State to get my master's, and but um, I had my first professional show. Gilda gave it. It was me, Anita. It was a women's show. Gilda, I think Shirley Woodson was in it, mm. and they wanted me to talk about my artwork. Well, I was still on, um, you know about critiques when you talk about your artwork it's about a critique Mm -hmm. so i was i was kind of i was really nervous to talk to them about my artwork and then dexter fields after i finished he came over to me dr dexter and he said you're going to get better to talk about your artwork everybody here is rooting for you you know 
this is not school anymore. Mm-hmm. Everybody is rooting for you, and everybody wants you to succeed, and you're going to do better when you learn how to, you know, when you embrace your artwork. We're here for you, mm-hmm. not against you. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay. But, you know, I, because I got a degree in art 100 years ago, and I, I recall vividly the um, the angst associated with the critiques that, oh, yeah. that, that comes with that scholarship and mm-hmm. yeah it, it you uh you either come out of it breathing or you don't <laughs> it's kind of an either or or they take you down <laughs> they yes. take you they take you down yes. hard yeah yeah my yeah. critiques are like legendary over at ccs yeah wow explain a little bit of that <laughs> well you know my my art back then was so innocent because I wasn't trained mm-hmm. as an artist I you know it didn't come from a rich family blah 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 we was rich in, you know, heritage, but I didn't, we all was in different places. I was from Detroit. It was people from all over the world there. And they didn't know what to say about my art, but they, it, it, some of them wanted to break me mm-hmm. because I was there, mm-hmm. you know, but that didn't work. Mm. How, how has your art evolved? And you've been an artist with 20 plus years yeah. or so. How has it evolved over that time? Well, I'm, um, I think I've gotten more c- confident in um, embracing that childlike thing in me. Mm-hmm. Just excited about color, just excited about movement. Um, I don't paint to sell art, you know, mm-hmm. but I, I paint to just get that out of me. Ooh. So, um, and then it, it makes me excited. So hopefully it makes, you know, everybody else excited, mm-hmm. but it's more about creating my own world. And when I've created, you know, I tell young artists paint in the basement till you can't paint no more, you know, don't go pay a thousand dollars for a studio. Then you got to pay, you got to right. try to hustle your artwork to pay for your studio. So for me, I just make art for me. And now I'm making art just to raise money to take kids all over the world. Okay, now you just already opened up Pandora's box for that. <laughs> right, because that was next on my list. Okay, kids all over the world. Yeah. What is happening with kids all over the world? I know a little bit about this story, but you tell it way better than my interpretation <laughs> in revisionist history. <laughs> but... You've taken some kids from the city of Detroit, showed off the hood, some people that haven't even been outside the city. Right. Passport is stamped. Oh, yeah. They got them passports. Um, I've taken kids, uh, high school kids from the city of Detroit, uh, black and brown students. I take them to different parts of the world so that they can, you know, understand that their dreams can come true because if you could walk down six miles, seven mile one day and the next day you riding a camel next to the pyramid, any dream of yours can come true, right? Yeah, it's definitely a, uh, indeed. It's definitely a culture shock. But also through hard work, <clears throat> through studying, um, because they have to take classes. We have a whole curriculum and um, they have to raise money also. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it not only changes the kid, it changes the family too. Because some of them are the first to be on an airplane, mm. first to have a, a passport, the first to go to another country. In the 21st century, we're still experiencing we're still those doing kind that. of firsts. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, especially in the city of Detroit. I remember this is kind of adjacent to it, but when we did a show in New York one time with a couple of the rappers, and it's it's we're walking through Times Square, but I'm I'm running to the place where we have our show in Manhattan. Uh and like uh it's like eight of us. And of the eight of us, like three of us have we've gone back and forth the whole time. But five guys of the five, three never really been outside of the city of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm walking and I'm like, yo, we about to be late. We about to be late. We about to be late. I look back and nobody's around. And then one of my friends has been everywhere. He was like, look, man, you got to understand. If you've never been outside the city of Detroit mm-hmm. to sit in the middle of Times Square a week before the ball drops. Oh, yes. Yeah, like that's and I was like, yeah, very. that's almost like, yeah, it's like when you take your puppy to a whole new <laughs> yeah it's like what is, is going on tree? here yeah it's like what wow. what's like six of them oh yeah God. you know what i'm saying it's like all of that like input overload of times square i'm like uh-huh. yeah good point i guess yeah, yeah. we'll be late for this show yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know I, I would i would imagine that uh in that process you're teaching your students a variety of skill sets that are life skill sets in terms of time management mm-hmm. and application discipline to you know to go through a process yeah right so so talk a little bit about that any any ahas from that you remember oh that? man so many ahas um well the first aha the reason why I was, um the program is called finding mona lisa 313 urban students become global citizens is that um, I was teaching high school, and um, it was my seventh year teaching. I was teaching at an all-male high school, what they call altern- alternative high school, because you could have, like, low skill with good behavior or a genius with bad behavior, anything mm-hmm. in between, you mm-hmm. know? And so all these football players, you know, basketball players, whatever. So um, I'm, I was the one that came in that gave them an art program. It was a little tough, but I stuck in there, you know, and they stuck in there too. Um, well, after seven years, I felt like they deserved to see, you know, the artwork that I'm teaching them about. Mm-hmm. And we only had, you know, a short amount of time. So I had read something, if you could paint like the masters, you can paint, right? And so what I did was have them duplicate, uh, you know, the Mona Lisa, a Jacob Lawrence, and, you know, things like that. And um, so one day I asked them, did my 11th grade art class, did they want to go on a field trip? They said, yeah. I said, we're going to go. They said, where are we going? I said, we're going to go find the Mona Lisa. And then they said, uh, where's the Mona Lisa? Now, you know I done told them this a hundred <laughs> times. So I said, the Mona Lisa is in the Louvre. It's in Paris. They said, we're going to Paris. I said, yeah, let's go to Paris. I said, but don't tell nobody. Let me try to figure it out first, right? Because I had woke up and had this idea and so <laughs> you went you went yeah, green yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, yeah, i need you to dream the numbers i'm just saying oh, dream. You? Oh, no. <laughs> baby i, I would buy plane and put kids on let's go i fly it myself <laughs> we out of here mega millions okay that's exactly it. i know what to do with some millions now <laughs> i'm gonna change everybody's life amen amen <laughs> i'm glad i'm in your phone <laughs> So, um, parents were calling, they wanted their kids to go. Um, um, I, one of the students, one of my first students, he had went to college, came back and worked at school. I told him he was going to be a chaperone on the trip. 
he brought me a list of kids that should go. I said, no, not those kids. We got to take the bad ones. We got to take them, da, 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 you know. Mm. And he was like, oh, Lord. So uh, <laughs> the school actually told me that they didn't want me to take them because it was going to put a black eye on Detroit, a black eye, you know, on the school. And I told them that it's, you know, Easter vacation. Me and the parents said they could go, so we going. Mm. And so I took them over there. Did they yeah. think that the kids were going to misbehave? Mm-hmm. They thought they was going to act up. But, see, the thing about our kids is that they rise to the occasion. Mm, that's exactly it. And if you let them act a fool, they're going to be a fool, mm. you know. But if you have standards for them, they're going to rise to the occasion. I took five boys, one male chaperone, and me. We went over there as perfect seven God's perfect number. Amen. We went over there yeah. and we had a ball. Hmm. But the aha moment was when we got over there, we got to the Mona Lisa, and they told me the Mona Lisa was fake because it was too small. Hilarious. I said, You think we flew all the way to Paris <laughs> to see the fake Mona Lisa? Get it together. It is remarkably small it because is. it's such a larger than life yes. masterpiece. Yeah. And when you see it in person, it's like, it's a little. I uh, know, it blew their mind. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. All right. So since then, in that trip, you've continued on this journey. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's gotten media attention. A lot of people have witnessed it. But more so, you've now at this point interacted and changed as you said the family's lives and the lives of so many young people uh what what season are you on now what's happening next what other places have you taken some of your students we've been to spain japan china egypt costa rica cuba south africa we're going this year to australia and um, this year, um, I started to revamp for next year because I want more kids to have the opportunity to go. Mm -hmm. And so I'm starting um, something new. I can't talk about it right now, but. Okay. Yeah. I'm kind of excited that you can unveil it right here on Detroit. Yeah. I can't Super do podcast. it right here. I can't do it yet. Yeah. I, I'll come back. Okay. Yeah, I'll come back. So, so. As these ideas, what have you found just then? Because as much as I think it changes the families of the children and and the children themselves, I'm sure when you're over there and they see this group of black students from Detroit, mm. that has to be changing for the people you interact with. So well, what type people, of interactions yeah. are you getting when you're in these countries? First of all, those countries are blessed to have our children even step on their land. And our children are blessed to be there. You see? Mm -hmm. And so, um, like when Obama's was in when President Obama was in office, uh, when we hit down in Egypt, it was like, Hi, Miss Obama. And so I was like, Hey. Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. I ain't mad at you about that. <laughs> okay. And they you know, when um it was so like inviting Everybody wants to interact, but I don't let them interact because these are children. Mm -hmm. I don't let them interact, and they're always in this ah moment when they see our kids, mm -hmm. you know? Like in China, I mean, people was crying, looking at, they wanted to take a picture. Wow. Like one little lady, she was crying. She was telling her daughter, and I asked the- um, Interpreter. Interpreter, with, uh, what, what, was was the, what was the problem, you know? And he said that, they don't get to see the people of color 
And when they do, some of them, they think it's good luck. Oh. Huh. Yeah. And so they wanted to take That's what I've been saying about us for years. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's like you see like 25. It's like, like oh, yes. Like, they hold my Detroit. baby. They they like, <laughs> it's like, hold my baby. You was with yeah. the color people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go to seven miles. Like, yeah. be a forever ending. Right. <laughs> I told them that, you know, the kids was like, oh, my God. You know, they so happy to take pictures. I said, but that's how you should be when you see each other. Mm. You should be just that happy, you know, to see each other. Mm-hmm. But we don't be like that because you know you have no honor in your own country. And, and as you talk about your own country, now coming back, what are some of the perspectives you get after the fact? Because now you've been doing this for a couple of years now. What what stories have you heard with uh, from Facebook or Instagram or just uh, students that you've taken overseas coming up to you saying like, "Oh, you know from that trip." Well, you know what the exciting part is is that when they go off to college and then they study abroad in college. And they contact me and tell me that if they hadn't went with me, mm-hmm. that they wouldn't go mm. with those people. Because they have to, they don't know each other. How they learn, um, the first meeting that these kids from all over the city, when they meet, they meet at the soup kitchen. Mm-hmm. And they work together to help people that's less fortunate. That's how I have them meet each other. That's perfect. Before they sit in a classroom with each other. That's brilliant. Yeah. And so they get to know each other. They're helping each other, you know. And so when they sit in a classroom with each other, it's easier for them to interact. So, yeah, just to hear them, like one boy, uh, one young man, he went off to uh, U of M, and he had a class, and they was talking about Egypt, and he talked about he went to Egypt with his art teacher, and they didn't believe him, and he came back with the slides and gave him a slideshow. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's right. the best kind of vindication right there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, the, like a professor sitting up saying something about pyramid. It's like, no, nah, it ain't really like that. No, it's kind of like. That. It ain't that. It ain't that, sir. <laughs> and it's more than one pyramid. It's more than three. Okay. And then he's like, so what? What? information do you have right i was was there last summer i like that interpretation do that again that so what (laughs) what information do you have that's that's my professor (laughs) so i have a question for you about detroit the creative class um what's happening now what are you envisioning uh in the future particularly around black and brown artists in this city? Well, I mean, um, what do I envision? You got to break that down. Okay, yeah, let me, let me break, break it. it so, break so it up for, some, from a present-day moment. No, please. From a present-day <laughs> moment. How, how are black and brown artists in the city feeling about being in Detroit in the midst of this transformation and seeing images, particularly around murals all over the city, not always reflective of of our voice or their voice. Um, Are they feeling like there's some equity in this process? Are they feeling marginalized? Are they excited? Are they leaving? Well, um, well, you know, I can't speak for all the artists, but I can can say that, as black and brown people, we have to fight regardless. So as artists, we have to fight, you know, when it comes to our music, when it comes to our poetry, when it comes to our writing, when it comes to our art, we have to tell our own story, whether you get paid for it or not. 
See, mm-hmm. your talent will open up a door for you and the money will come, but you got to believe in your own talent and your own story. See? So if you think something is quick, ain't nothing quick for black and brown people. Mm. Nothing. Even when you deal with black and brown people, mm-hmm. it's not quick. So what you have to do is you have to steadfast, you know, you have to believe in what you're doing and just keep doing it. And, and see, one thing I, I was appreciative of, uh, you know, a lot of people say all these murals, they don't like it, you know, but, um, I hit up Sidney James and I said, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't see brown people mm. in the city, you see? And I, I commended her on that. Um, Sometimes they're going to take one or two artists and they're going to push those artists. But doesn't mean that you can't do your art. Don't mean that you can't get some money from somewhere else. You see what I'm saying? So it's like being an entrepreneur. I mean, it is being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You just have to work hard at it, you know? So because Detroit's always, you know, for certainly as far back as I can remember, but history has has uh, supported this notion that there's a lot of creativity in this city and has been for generations. I mean, there is no shortage. And so um, just pushing on that point, is, is are we maintaining that, that course in terms of uh, quantity and quality of cr- the creative class or um, or is it shifting so that um, they're doing their work, they're doing all the things that you just said, but they're just not doing it here. Well, if they're not doing it here, that's okay. You know, um, it, what one thing about Detroit is if you're raised in Detroit, educated in Detroit, that Detroit thing goes with you wherever you go. It's like Gator shoes, isn't it? Yeah, it's like Gator <laughs> shoes and it pink is, and pink suits. <laughs> um, you know, I remember. Uh, some people, some of my family members in New York, they said that Mayor Young gave us this sense of um, this sense of pride. Mm. This um, they called it cockiness, but I called it confidence, because when you're a Detroiter, you can go anywhere in this world. I mean, what art teacher picking up kids, taking them all over the world, and ain't worried about it? You know what I'm saying? Right. So you can go anywhere. I mean, it don't matter. Gone, go. Sometimes you gotta branch out. You gotta leave, but you gonna come back. Mm-hmm. You always come back. But I don't know. You just have to keep. You just keep have keep fighting it with your craft. Keep fighting it. Get it out your soul. You know. Just don't do do what you want to do. This is only this is the only life you got right here. Do exactly what you want to do, whether people get it or not. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, you gotta live your life for you. And you live your life, mm-hmm. you see? Mm-hmm. And then everything be good. Mm. All right. And as you talk about everything being good and just different people and groups recognizing you, you were recently awarded from the DIA, uh, at the DIA, the <laughs> Lane Lock Awards, yeah. uh, Friends of African and African American Art. This award, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Rarely given. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, definitely cool. rarely given to, to people from the city. Yeah. So how how did this all come about? Uh, what does it represent? What did it mean to you? And uh, since then, um, what, uh, what opportunities are you looking to take advantage of from that? Well, it definitely was a surprise. 
Um, but it's always good when your community recognizes what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when you know that you've done something. Mm-hmm. You know, people outside of your community can recognize you. But if people in your community don't recognize the hard work that you put in, then it's something about that, you know. Mm-hmm. So when they called me and told me that they were, uh, that I was the recipient of that award, I was excited about it. And I never even asked any questions like, well, how did you, well, who, such, such. I was like, thanks, you know. Mm-hmm. I, okay, I got to hang up because I got to make some calls. I got to tell people about this, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely in, um, but when, I'm in great company. But when they gave me the, when they gave me the award, I was excited. But then I sat back and I understood that when they recognized me, they recognized my community. And recognizing my community is because people in my community helped me get right here, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and helped me get, you know, continue to push me to do what I what I want to do, and what I what I think my destiny is. And so, I mean, it's exciting when somebody recognizes you and the community. So, yeah. So when you when you go on these on your trips with your students, do you, are you still averaging about five to seven students, or has it has it gotten? Are you are you now jumping into like twenty, thirty students? Because that seems overwhelming. Well, some you know every student had out of six students, you have to have a chaperone. That's first thing. One out of every six. One out of six. Okay. And so, um, you know, it just varies. Like that's why we have this strategy for next year. But it, it varies, and people get scared. They don't want the kids to travel. And, you know, the parents have to buy into it. The family has to buy into it. It can't just be you raising money for these kids because, see, you be done bought a ticket for a kid, and they don't show up. Mm. I, I've had people tell me about that, but I always have the family invest in what's going on, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know. And so we teach the kids how to fundraise, you know. And so, um, you know, you just it just depends, five you might get 15. It just depends, you know. What has been your favorite place so far with kids in particular? <sighs> Probably Egypt, South Africa, and Cuba. Are these all places that you visited by yourself, or are these sometimes first journeys for you? Yeah. Um, those are first journeys for me. Like, I have to go back because I really didn't see them. I really didn't, because I can't keep my eyes on these kids. <laughs> so I have to go back, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm at work. It ain't no vacation. Um, like one kid, he told his mother, he said, I thought we was going on a vacation. I said, you tell your son, I don't vacation with kids. You know, because from Hilarious. 7 o'clock in the morning, they are learning, moving, kids. writing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a t-shirt all by itself. I yeah, don't I don't vacation with kids. Like the Adele only crew, right? Like, gives that shirt out. Like. Get out, get out of here. Um, <laughs> it's a whole market for that. Right. <laughs> so all while they're there, they're learning all every day, all day. By the time they get back to the hotel, they tired, dead tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So with that project, what else is happening? Because like artistically, I know you said for yourself, I've seen some of your work. I think your work is. It's hard to even explain, but it like it's 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 engaging. It's like I feel like if if 
it's like a mix of like I've seen some of the things that you know other black abstract artists do, and I just look at it and I'm confused. But uh, <laughs> but then I look at your work and I really feel like I don't know. It may be the Detroit in you. It may be how the way you you use different types of canvases and different styles of things. Like you're very engaging and creative with with your work. Like what's happening with you artistry wise and how can people get a taste of that? I know you're raising funds for the kids, but you have some really cool pieces. Yeah, I did um a thousand and one uh pieces of art and that's at Georgia Namdi's gallery. Um you know you could go to Georgia Namdi's gallery, you could go to National Conference of Artists, you can hit me up on Facebook, whatever, you know, to yeah. um see some artwork. Um, I'm just, you know, making artwork and like, what's the inspiration? Because you'll sometimes use different canvases. To, like you're not yeah, conventional. Like, with, yeah. Okay. Like you've used them. You, but you, you know what I'm saying? Like you're not, uh, uh, uh like, you know, just cloth canvas wrapping around right. wood type of artist either. Well, it's just, you know, that's that African in you, you know, that's that African in me. You use whatever you have to create art to make life better, you know? Hmm. That's what uh, Africans do, Yeah, yeah. you know? They was the first abstract artist, and uh, so that's already down in us. Mm -hmm. um, Sometimes, <laughs> one lady asked me, do I do black art? I said, not only do I do black art, I do black ball head Jackie's daughter's art, you know? Because sometimes people, when they don't see black images in your artwork, right. That's they right. don't think it's black art. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you better stop buying them images and not know who that artist is. That's right. Because it's not always a black artist that created that. Yeah. Hmm. So... Um, you know, it's just about educating people on art. That's all. All right. And, and we've had this discussion before about starting an art collection. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I actually also know, and I don't know if you know, Sydney, Sydney Kemp, but Sydney's starting to do some things, but starting an art collection, what you need to do, how do you do that? Because as much as it is, uh, being an, an artist, uh, that is an artist, we need to be awakening more of the arts community as well. As I've yeah. started my little collection of what I have, I have a couple pieces from, from people you probably know, like Notion and uh, Shifi, or mm -hmm. Tashif, I guess you say. But how how do you go about building this collection? What, what do you say to the novice art collector? If you're not buying art as an investment, when you start collecting artwork, you should collect it from your local artists and you should collect art that makes you feel good or something that you like because you're going to have to live with it. It's going to mm -hmm. have to be on your wall. It's going to have to be, you know, uh, it's going to sit on your floor, your sculpture or whatever. You buy what you like. That's how you start your art collection. But make sure you know who the artist is. That is such a great question. And I love your answer because when I think about art collection, particularly in our community, and really delving into the arts, not not always as an artist per se, mm -hmm. but as someone who loves the arts, it kind of is in alignment uh, with philanthropy, and we tend to think that that's something that is far away from us. Yeah. And yeah. so, from you know, your recommendations, I think, is spot on. Just start out getting what you like. Yeah. I mean, that's huge, that right? Is, yeah. Because you gotta live with it, so 
And I remember a lady bought a piece for me and um, she was so excited about this piece. And when she put it in her office, she lived with for a couple of days and she called me, she was like, Jocelyn, I just can't take this piece. It's a, it's, it's a pink strip in here that I just can't deal with. And I was like, really? I didn't even realize it was a pink strip in there. So I said, I'll be up there, you know. So I came up, I said, oh, okay. So you can come back to the gallery and pick something that would, you know, the same amount of money because you can't get no money back. But you, ah. <laughs> you, you pick something else. Good old, so, good old. Good old no returns, child. Uh, so. I, mean, I mean, like rotating the piece every every season. Right, right, right. It's like it's like it's like I don't like it right. anymore. Nah, nah, anymore. Nah. So she uh she got it, you know, mm-hmm. and she found a piece that she liked. Yeah. Okay, so in, in starting what I have, like I had this um, and it's a, it's it's like a conversation piece. It's so funny as I'm starting to hang up work, but uh, and um. You actually know, uh, man, I'm forgetting his name, that actually bought the real piece. I bought a print of it. It was when he was working on it. Tashif was working on this mm-hmm. piece he has. He, call, he calls it like Air Coon. It's just, it, it's a conversation piece, but it's on my wall. It's, I get so many comments because that's what ends up happening. Like people see the art and it emotes different things from them, like as they connect to it. And then somebody was like, yeah, you know, you can change the art with the season and it changes the feel. Like if you have a party coming up and different mm-hmm. things like that, which goes back to the next question I have and you you kind of were on me with about this. When it comes to framing the pieces and, and, and like the display for it, like what do you do if you don't know what's happening? Well, you go to Mac Framer next door. <laughs> nice. And let him put it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he'll put it together for you. And because uh, framing is as much of an artist as as artwork. Oh, I mean, yeah. it really is. It's and you want to take care of your pieces. You yeah. know, you don't like you don't want to have your painting where the sun is shining straight on it because it's gonna change the colors. You know, so I know somebody that had a Mayhew, and now that boy, you know, his colors are really vibrant. But over the years, because the sun shined on that, mm. it's just, oh. yeah, it's been kind of bleached out. So you want to take care of your artwork. Mm-hmm. And artwork is an investment, especially if it's original artwork. It's uh, Art is worth more than stock. It'll never go down, you know. Mm-hmm. The value of it will never go down, so. Have you ever uh, seen a buyer of yours, like, uh, do something with the piece, like, and add that to a room, and it's like, wow, I didn't, I didn't think they'd do it like that. And it's like, that's really cool. No. Oh, so generally, I, yeah. after you see the piece, it's like... after It's like having kids, you know, when you send your kids out there and they get married to somebody, you don't go to their house every day, like, yeah. what y'all done? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but like kids, I mean, do you feel some sense of loss when somebody buys oh, your painting? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, when I when I paint and I have a show and I have to take that artwork and take it out of the safe space that I created it and take it into a gallery or take it into uh, another space, it does something to yeah. me, you know? And then when they hang it and then when somebody buys it, it just, you know, you want it to go out there. One time a guy asked me, would you think you were a successful artist if you had a piece in the DIA? And I said, no, I think I was a successful artist if I had a piece of artwork in everybody's house in Detroit. That's what I, that's what I would think I was yeah. a su- su- successful artist. Because DIA is one piece, you know? We need, we need that black, right. we need that right. J. Rainey black Jesus. 
That black Jesus. I know, crap. I know, right? I listen, that, listen that, fix that it, black, black Jesus. Jesus. Fix it. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. Let's you know go. One, we I gotta think, have that dream. You know the, the, the one black Jesus. With those dreads. Yeah, that dreads, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it can fix it. <laughs> Take the wheel. <laughs> I, I, would, I would be one of the first people buying a, right. a, a black Jesus J. Rady print because I'm there sure she's making it with like abstract like it'd be uh, some denim in there somewhere okay. like like denim. you know he's gonna be wearing them jeans yeah, yeah. It's like, was Jesus, right. stay tuned did, did he serve time in prison <laughs> You know what? I, I want to go offline at some point and have uh, a glass of wine with you or some scotch or something and just <laughs> keep it going. Yeah. We should start drinking wine on this podcast. I thought y'all was going to have some wine. Okay. That, that's why I brought she my coffee. coffee. I knew they weren't going to have no wine. <laughs> we, we will. We, moving yes. forward. Moving forward. Right. forward. Wine it this is. This got to be a wine show. Yeah. Know? Wine show. People loosen up. Oh, they start really talking. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they do it at the gallery. They give you some wine. You start buying artwork. Oh, much <laughs> In here. <laughs> I gotta send it back. <laughs> no refunds. No refunds. Pick another one. <laughs> How do people get in contact with you? What if they want to give to just uh, support a kid going? Yeah. Or, or I don't know. What if they just want to support you? What if they want to get some art? What if they want to hang out and have that glass of wine with you? What do they do? Jay Rainey, Jocelyn Rainey, uh, Jocelyn Rainey, the painter, Facebook. Just Google me. You can find me. She okay. is Googleable. Me not hiding. <laughs> me right here. All right. All right. All Thank right. you so much. It was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. What up now? Yep. Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store.